Hello and welcome to another episode on the Lubumba Pastor's blog. I'm Masumba Jonathan. Our lesson today is entitled John 16, Ask and Receive That Your Joy May Be Full. It is our next lesson in our series on the Gospel of John that we've been going through. Our text to begin is John chapter 16 from verse 23 to verse 27. It says, In that day you will ask nothing of me, Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name. And I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. This is the third command in as many chapters for us to make our requests to God. Do you think then that this instruction is important for us? Before we go further in the instructions on prayer, I want to clarify what Jesus explains about the method of prayer here. Some have asked me why some believers pray in Jesus' name when they conclude a prayer. The basis for praying that way is found in this text. We are told to ask in his name. Now, Jesus clarified that he doesn't mean that our Father is indifferent to us, but will listen to the Son. That's why Jesus says the Father himself loves us. So we don't pray in Jesus' name because the Father doesn't listen to us otherwise. We pray in Jesus' name because our standing before God is forever based on the merit and righteousness of Christ. We come before God holy, innocent, spotless, and beloved because of Christ's work for us. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, we read, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Remember, Jesus came because his Father loved us and sent his beloved Son to save us. All through the Gospels, we see it is the Father who reveals his Son to believers. In John 6, verse 44, Jesus says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. In Matthew 11, verses 25 to 27, we read, At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. In Matthew 16, verses 15 to 17, we read, He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, which means Simon, son of John. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. One of my favorite passages of scripture is where Jesus tells us we've been given equal place in his family with him in our relationship 
with his father. In John 20, verse 17, after his resurrection, we read this. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus says he is my Father and your Father. He is my God and your God. So don't take this instruction to mean God does not hear your requests unless you go through Jesus as the middleman. No, it is rather a reminder that when we make our requests to God, we stand perfected by the blood of Jesus Christ, which has the power to cleanse us from all sin and present us pure and spotless to God, even though our transgressions are innumerable. With that being said, Let's think more on God's command for us to pray. First, I want us to think about how Jesus says we should pray so our joy might be full. What is perhaps the most discouraging thing to keep you from praying? I would say it's praying for the same thing for a long time without receiving an answer. The book of Proverbs says this about human nature in waiting for a desire to be fulfilled. In Proverbs 13, 12, we read, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Songwriter Michael Card sings this line in his song Maranatha, which is the believer's call for the return of Christ. I'm, I'm quoting from that song. It says, It's certain that waiting is the most bitter lesson a believing heart has to learn. I find that to be quite true. Isn't it hard to wait for Christ to restore all things and to remove all sin and brokenness? We want the promise of his coming to be fulfilled now because the promises are so sweet, are they not? We see even right after the resurrection, the disciples asking Jesus if he would now establish his kingdom. But he tells them there's, there's going to be some waiting. How good are we at waiting? Many of us struggle with it. We want an immediate reaction. Some of us are so feeble in faith that we pray for a week and then throw our hands up and say, ah, it's hopeless. There's nothing that is hopeless with God. All things are possible with him. But it is our impatience and weakness that often causes us to fail to trust and wait on God. I want to give you two examples of patient believers to compare ourselves with and exhort ourselves to understand waiting on God's perfect timing. The first person, or the first example, is Anna. The Bible tells us this about Anna in Luke chapter 2 from verse 36 to verse 38. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. In Anna's day, it was typical for a young lady to be married by the age of 17. So, if we assume that was about Anna's age when she was married, and her husband died seven years into their marriage, 
That means Anna had spent around 60 years devoted to prayer and fasting, waiting on God's promise of a Redeemer. Do you and I even last 60 days in prayer before giving up an issue as being hopeless? And yet here we have this amazing example of patient endurance given to us by Anna. Another great example of what it means to wait on God is given to us by Abraham. Abraham was 75 years old when God promised that he would make a nation of him. But his son Isaac was not born until Abraham was 100. 25 years passed before God's promise was fulfilled for Abraham. Both Sarah and Abraham were past the age of producing children. So, not only did they have to wait, but physical circumstances became totally contrary to the promise God gave them. Things looked as impossible as they could get. And yet the Bible tells us this about Abraham in Romans 4 from verse 18 to verse 21. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Rather than elapsed time making Abraham doubt more and more, it says that Abraham's confidence grew as more time passed. Again, let's compare ourselves to these people. How patient are you in waiting for God's answer? Are you growing stronger in faith with the passing of time? Or as is common, weakening because you haven't had the answer you want? Jesus told us a parable on this very topic to exhort us in this area. It comes from Luke 18, verses 1 to 8. That parable says, And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. So this story is given to us with the purpose of making sure we continue in prayer. In verse 2 it says, He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect? who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? In this story, you have an unrighteous judge who does not care at all about giving this woman justice. But because she comes to him every day, he becomes annoyed and grants her request, so he doesn't have to deal with her anymore. Jesus says if even a sinful judge like this man responds to persistence with an answer, how much more will God speedily answer the prayer of his children? So he tells us to keep praying, keep seeking, 
and keep knocking. Does not answered prayer give you great encouragement in the faith? And that's why Jesus tells us that prayer should make our joy full. It shows us God is with us. We are his children. We belong to him. But Christians, this is where we are very hypocritical. We pray for myriads of things, but we don't focus on the answered requests. We focus on the unanswered ones. Every day that God gives you food to eat and a home to live in, that's answered prayer for provision. Every day that God does not annihilate us for our sin, that's answered prayer for forgiveness. Every day that God keeps us from falling into sin, that's answered prayer for deliverance from temptation. But we don't notice those things because we don't think by faith, but we think by sight. We take things for granted and say, oh, that wasn't really God. That would have happened anyways. <laughs> That's not true. Nothing happens without God. Even the wicked only have food because of God's gracious kindness. The devil does not own the cattle on a thousand hills. It's God who feeds people. The wicked just don't acknowledge God. And sadly, you and I can be guilty of not acknowledging God in those things too. I'll give you an example of this hypocritical perspective. Do you remember the story of when Peter was imprisoned by King Herod? He was sentenced to execution. And the Bible says this about the church's response in Acts 12 verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. The church prayed earnestly. But did they expect their prayer to be answered? An angel comes to Peter and leads him on an escape out of prison in the middle of the night. But when he finds a group of people gathered praying for him, this is how they respond to the fact that Peter was standing at their gate. In Acts 12 from verse 14 to 16 we read, Recognizing Peter's voice, in her joy she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, You are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, It is his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. How did they respond to answered prayer? They said, You are out of your mind. That's not possible. Friends, we need to apply this information that we might have joyful appreciation for God's answered requests and joyful expectation of the requests we still wait for. I'm not saying these things condemning everyone else. I'm condemning myself as well. I'm guilty of being this way in prayer many times, but we shouldn't be this way. We have these truths that should change us. Lastly, Consider this exhortation from the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 35 to 39. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come, and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Let us walk in faith, brethren, believing the promises of Christ, not the seeds of doubt Satan sows amidst the promises of God. God bless you all.